Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Mel, our co-host. Mel, great to see you. Great to see you too. Hello, Davey. We have a fantastic interview today. Good friends of ours, Tim and Denise Harlow. Tim Harlow is a pastor in Chicago area, and he has just released a book called What Made Jesus Mad? And it's awesome. So I can't wait for you to hear this interview. We talk about ministry. We talk about... Um, some just really, really insightful things from this couple doing ministry and leading and pastoring a church for a long time. So Wow. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I cannot wait to hear this interview. Um, before we do, I know that you are releasing a video course very soon. That's right. On July 14th. Yep. It's the Pain to Purpose video course. Yeah. And um, I am so excited about this. I think that this is going to be an amazing tool that's going to impact and help so many people. But I would love to hear from you. Um, how did how did you decide to create this? Can yeah. you, I know we're going to take the next five episodes to really delve into um, what each of the videos are going to be about. Right. But um, yeah, how did you get to this point? Well, yeah. Um, you know, as we've been walking th- through all of this with people in, in regards to helping people navigate their valleys and find purpose in their pain. I've just discovered some some common what I'm calling waypoints that that people have to walk through along the journey. You know, the reality is Mel is oftentimes we'll find ourselves kind of on our back in the valley of the shadow of death and we don't really know what to what to do. We're disoriented. We don't know what kind of what, what direction we should take. And let me ask you this. When you say waypoints, is this uh, step one, step two? Is it linear or what's this? Yeah, what do you mean by waypoints? It's not linear, so to speak, because grief, trial, hardship, navigating those things are not necessarily steps. I wish I could mm-hmm. say it's like step one, step two, step three, but everybody walks through their valley differently according to what they're going through specifically. But these are things that everybody has to walk through. And people often ask, well, how do I get out of my valley? The only way out of your valley is through your valley. And so these are kind of 10, I guess you could say milestones in some ways, or what we like to call them waypoints, because you're going to walk through those things. You just may not know what order you're going to walk through those things. And so what we're trying to do is help people as they kind of stand up in their valley, start to brush themselves off a little bit, point them in the right direction, and then be there to guide them through the process. And so we've been doing this with our coaching clients. It's been really helpful for them. And so I decided to, man, let's make this available to everybody. So we have cut 11 uh-huh. videos that are about 35 minutes a piece and they're just teaching videos. It's a, it's a course that helps people navigate whatever trial they may be walking through, no matter how grave it may be. So you begin talking in the intro session, why is there pain and suffering and what can I do about this? And I'd love to hear, why do you think that this is such a, what, why is this such an important topic to launch with? Yeah. Well, so the, there is an intro video because there's 10 waypoints and there's 11 videos. And so this intro video does ask this really big question. Um, we call this question theodicy, right? It's the study <laughs> of, it's just a big word meaning the study of why is there pain and suffering if there's such a loving God? And I think this is a really important question to ask, even though people have been talking about this and trying to study this for centuries and asking this question. It's because what, what we believe about our circumstances, what we believe about our situations is going to determine how we walk through those situations. So oftentimes okay. I say our theology determines our activity. 
If you don't truly believe something in your heart, then you're not going to walk it out with your, with your feet. And so I think we've got to get, first of all, just kind of this understanding and idea of why has pain, suffering, trial, hardship, anxiety, depression, whatever, whatever you may call it, why has it hit my life? And then at the end of it, we ask the question, well, what can we do about it? And, and that is those 10 waypoints that we discuss in the rest of the videos. Okay, so the first waypoint is befriend your emotions. And <laughs> I am very intrigued to hear more about this, primarily because I'm actually not that much of an emotional person. And I know some people are at the other end of the spectrum where they're very emotional. Yeah. And so um, I, what what do you mean when you say <laughs> befriend your emotions? Well, that's, you bring up a very good point because there's usually two different types of people and really anybody along the spectrum of those two extremes, someone who's not attuned or in touch with their emotions. And they tend to when they step into a trial, they tend to kind of stuff their emotions and not address them and, mm, and not get yeah. acquainted with them. Whereas then the, the other side of the spectrum, they tend to really take on those emotions, get kind of what I would say wallow in those emotions, not really know how to understand them or move forward in them. And the reason we say befriend your emotions is because emotions are not a bad thing. If you, if you think about it, God is an emotional God. He created us with emotions. Uh, Jesus is the best version or best, the best picture of what we, what we know of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he got emotional. If you read through scriptures, you see that he was afraid when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was about to go to the cross. You see he was sad when his cousin John the Baptist was beheaded. You see he was angry when he was clearing the temple. Uh, you see instances where he was lonely. Um, so he, he had emotions, which means we as human are, humans are going to have emotions, but if we don't befriend those emotions, what we will tend to do is we'll medicate, we'll cope, mm. we'll try to numb, and this numbs us from experiencing what God is trying to communicate to us in our emotions. And so what we talk about in this video is how to understand your emotions and how to use them as red light indicators, not roadmaps. Mm, so, okay. so what I mean by that is we don't want our emotions telling us where to go or how to go in those directions. We just want them to show us where we're at right now. Okay. And then we take our emotions and let God's word overlay God's word to those emotions and let God's word be a roadmap in our emotions. But the first step is befriending them, getting comfortable with them, getting acquainted with them um, so that we're not afraid of them and we're not pushing them at bay. And so we just, we just learned in this session how to harness those emotions, how to, how to process those emotions, how to channel them, how to leverage them to move us forward in the valley of the shadow of death and recognizing that our emotions are not interruptions to our day or interruptions to, to our season of life, but it's actually an invitation where God is drawing us into a deeper place with Him. Okay. Let me ask you this. Have you ever read the book, The Road Back to You? Uh, have not read it yet, but I am excited about reading it soon. That one and The Path Between Us, the whole Enneagram, you know, I'm excited about both of those. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a quote in one of the, uh, in that book that says, if God wanted your heart on your sleeve, he would have put it there. And that's for a type eight. And I died laughing. So when I was reading about this waypoint, I'm like, oh, that that this waypoint is going to be very helpful for me. Yes. Um, so, Davey, the second waypoint is reframe your perspective. And um, can you tell me why does our perspective matter so much and how do we go about reframing it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, and this is because kind of coming out of the gate with our emotions, oftentimes the valley or our trial or our emotions can be so disorienting 
that we have to understand how we're supposed to interpret what's going on in our life. Because again, the way we interpret it is also the way that we're going to determine how we're going to walk through it. And so what, what we often do is we often interpret everything that's going on in a certain order. We see what's happening outside of us, the world. Then we kind of see how we feel about that. That's like the step two of how we interpret things. And then what we end up doing is we tend to project those things onto how we feel about God. And so this is where you get questions like, well, how could God let this happen to me? Or how could, because where we've started, our starting point typically in the valley is this is what's happening around me. This is how I feel about it. I don't understand my emotions. So now I'm going to project this onto, onto God. And what we have to do is we have to actually flip that process. We have to begin to interpret things through the lens of what do we know to be true about God? What do we know to be true about the world? What do we know to be true about ourselves? Um, the best example of this, Mel, is in Isaiah chapter 6, and we walk through this um, in detail in the, in the session. But in Isaiah chapter 6, it starts out by um, Isaiah saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, which is a tragic season, tragic time for the people of Israel. But it says mm-hmm. the first thing that Isaiah did in that moment was, it says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And so he looked first to, his perspective first went to God, because where you choose to focus is what you're going to find. And so he first goes to God, and he allows that perspective to be the filter through which he sees everything else. It says he saw God for who he is, and then he recognized himself for who he is as, as, a, as a man who's fallen. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And God comes and, and sends an, an angel to touch his lips, to redeem and cleanse his lips. And then he begins to shift his perspective out into the world. And so God says, who, who shall I send? And Isaiah goes, send me. So it, it's the opposite order. It's God first, and then that filters into me and then to the world. So our perspective has to shift from from the world, me, God, to the other way. God, first, what do I know to be true about God? Not what have I fabricated to be true about God. Not what I have I always believed to be true about God. Not what is the box that I put God in. You know, Voltaire said, in the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. Hmm. We tend to create God in the image we want him to be. And so we allow our situations, our circumstances to, to confirm those things or to cause confusion about those things. And so what we have to do is go back to, this is what I know to be true about God. This is how it shapes me in my situation. And then this is how it shapes how I perceive what's going on outside of me. So it's a reframing of perspective. It's really just seeing God for who He is, not who we've constructed Him to be. Davey, that sounds... So good. All right. Well, if you are interested in Davy's video course, Pain to Purpose, um, I just think that this is going to be an invaluable tool. Um, if you yourself are walking through grief, if you know somebody who is in the valley or going through a hard time, um, this could be something to walk with as a group. And so um, Davy is going to be releasing this on July 14th. But I highly recommend pre-ordering it. Um, if you pre-order it, you can get it for $49. But after 
um, July 14th, it's going to be 99. Um, if you're one of our $20 a month partners, you can get this video course at any time for $49. That is, um, just one of the perks of being in partnership with us. And so Davey, thank you so much for expounding on these first two points. Um, yeah, we are going to jump into Tim and Denise's interview. I'm, I'm really excited to hear what they have to say today. Tim, Denise, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. It's good to sure. have you guys. Great. Well, Great to be here. I, I want to start out. We're here at your church. Uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to hang out with you guys this weekend. And we just kind of off the cuff. We're like, hey, let's talk about life. And I, wanted, I want our listeners to know a little bit about what are you guys doing right now? Give us a little backstory of your family, where you're at location-wise. Just tell us a little bit about the Harlow household. That's to me. Um, <laughs> We moved here in 1990 to the Chicagoland suburbs. God's call, 100%, crazy long story, um, but some pain kind of drove us here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, it was God's call, this is it. I mean, I, I don't say that very lightly. There yeah. haven't been very many moments in our lives where we were like, okay, God wants this to happen. It, it was just, this is it. Yeah. Wasn't a good church. Mm. Um, it wasn't like, oh, look at this opportunity. You, you know, yeah, this is right. going to be so awesome. <laughs> it was kind of more like the opposite. It was yeah. kind of like, I'm going to send you to hell and you're going. <laughs> and um, yeah. I mean, it was a small church of 150 people mm. and they were good people, but there was these two factions that were, you know, kind of battling each other. There was a traditional group and there was the contemporary group and it had mm. to do with worship, but it had to do with some theological stuff and, and some other things as well. And there were no leaders, no elders at this point. They'd all been like the, the ones in the one group had been run off by the other group. And wow. it was being held together by a church planting organization. And there was a like an interim guy that was just filling in. And so, but, you know, I was 28 and had only had youth ministry experience. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't yeah. like good churches were, you know, right. knocking on my door either. Right. So but I think that's important to dis- to distinguish because oftentimes people think, you know, you answer a call. We sometimes as pastors go, okay, well, God's got a really great situation yeah. for me, dream job. Yeah. Let's go into this. And really uh, oftentimes you're looking at um, sometimes raising the dead, which is harder even than planting. Well, or I was going to say, I mean, you, you, you had the experience planting. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm big on church planting now, the reason we plant so many churches and help do that is because I don't want it, we don't want anybody to do what we did. Turnaround ministry. Turnaround yeah. ministry is really hard, hard and and in many cases uh, impossible. Yeah. And uh, it takes a real hard-headed knucklehead guy like me <laughs> to, to to dig it out and he's got to have a great spouse that, and two people who grew up in ministry families yeah. so mm. we weren't naive. Right. So yeah. Yeah. it helped. Wow. So you're on the ground. You said 1990. 1990. Yeah, it's been okay. it's been 29 years. Actually, wow. like this weekend, I think is would be 29 years for. I was wow. seven months pregnant with our middle daughter. Wow. And we mm-hmm. had a two and a half year old. Man. And now they're all grown up. They're all grown out of the up, house. married, mm-hmm. and two of them have have kids for us. So man, and yeah, so that's that's the journey. That's so um, crazy. Long process of yep. turnaround. Right. Um, uh, you know, I mean, long process, 10 yeah. years, probably seven years in, um, we, we were ready to relocate. It was mm-hmm. like, the, that was the only way it was going to work. Cause it was a, not just a, a messed up church, but the building was not very good yeah. either. And, um, you know, so we, we were going to go do that. And, 
the congregational vote was 56%. Wow. So after seven years of my brilliant leadership, <laughs> I had just barely a majority. But what I did have, Davey, was I had good good leaders. Mm. I had good elders at that point. Yeah. The and key yeah. thing I did was get the right people in there. Wow. And during that 10 years, it was interesting because we did grow, but people were also leaving for this reason yep. or that reason. Yep. And But new people were coming to Christ. Right. And they... As all of us know, new Christians aren't good givers. Yeah, they yeah, aren't that absolutely. point yet. And so then some people would say, "Well, we need to listen to our givers." Or yeah. others, we're would, losing those people. Yeah, we're, we're going to lose those people, and you know we can't lose those right. people. I think it, that's an. That, I mean, when it comes to pastoring, I think people don't understand the the turnover the 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 revolving door of uh-huh. people that ends up coming into your lives and out of your lives and of all vocations there are of all careers there's nobody else that experiences that kind of heart wrenching turnover no. of people can you guys talk and, a little bit about that and sadly sadly many Christians don't leave their churches yeah. well or <laughs> kind yeah yeah they're very some of them they are spiritualize very, everything yeah or and and they can be hurtful or feel like they have to say hurtful things. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. So there was some painful, painful exits well, that and, happened. And, and especially as our girls, our three daughters, had friends. I mean, you're talking about a small church course, scenario here. Right. And mm-hmm. as they have friends and, you know, then that family leaves. And, I mean, you know, in, in, in one case in particular... Mm. Some of their best friends and the, right. the people left, and they didn't leave because it was, you know, supposedly it wasn't because they differed with our opinion. It was because they needed to go to a church that was closer. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt it felt the same of one course. way or the other. Oh, yeah, they're exiting your betrayal, life. and your your girls are like, well, "What happened to our friends?" Um, right, started to get personal. Well, most yes. people who are not pastors are going to experience at some point. A, a quote unquote betrayal of a good friend. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. they're going to experience, man, I invested a lot in this relationship and then it, it, something happened and they exited my life. But as a pastor, you're experiencing this same feeling from lots of people because yeah. you're investing so much yeah. into them spiritually and emotionally. And then it's all, it almost feels like it's just. Out, you know, out of the blue, like it didn't take anything. Sometimes it feels that way. It didn't take anything yeah. for this person to go, oh, I'm going to go to another church. Yeah. And you they know? can say, oh, it's not personal. It's, it is, it's yeah. sadly. Yeah. It hurt our marriage. Mm. I, mean, I mean, you know, Tell there, me there that, were times yeah. that, you know, I, because I, I, I was like, this is the vision. This is where we're yeah. going. This is what's happening. But, but she was dealing with the residual damage mm. and, you know, questioning were we even doing the right thing? Yeah. Right. right. And and there was one couple that I loved dearly. They were in my mind like my parents. My parents were far away. And then when they said they were leaving, it was just why? Why you know right. what? I right. don't understand, you right. know? And they just felt like the church was growing too fast and yeah. we weren't growing people quick enough. And <laughs> and I I remember telling a friend, well, this happened in the early church, 3,000 yeah. in one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they didn't automatically become mature Christians. Right. So, yeah, right. it was, there were some hard times through there, very hard times. Specifically in regards to that, like people leaving, how do you, I mean, you work a lot with church planters now. How mm-hmm. do you coach or advise church planters in that? You know, if you're saying, hey, you know, come here, young buck, let me kind of paint for you the, the journey you're about to be on. 
how do you help them to really wrestle through that from a, a God perspective? And I help them. I try to help them be prepared. And it, it was really interesting um, because just a few years ago, like very, very recently, we lost some people and, and, and it was one of our leaders. He was a really close friend mm. and his wife just got to this point where she didn't agree with what we were doing mm. and they had to leave. And I, and I, I tell that story a lot because I had been to church for 25 years yeah. and I had been with this, with this couple, they were our friends, you know? Mm. So we went out so, to dinner with yeah, them a lot. I mean, these were, yeah. they were, we were close to them and you know and i'm still I, I still keep a relationship with him but but there's that, there's that's going to happen yeah. there's, you can't what i tell him is don't you can't just be closed up and not have friends in the church. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in that. I, I mean, no. that doesn't make any sense. I think our parents' generation did that. They it's did. It's just not a good way to yeah. live. Yeah. It's, you, you, it's worth the risk. Open yourself up to yeah. have relationships. But, but you will but get you're going to get burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just know that. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have to know that ahead of time. Yeah. What's amazing to me is that people told us that when we were planting the church and have told us that sense in ministry and we're always thinking, well, well, we'll be the exception. You know, I think everybody yeah. thinks we'll yeah. be the exception, yeah. you know, like we're not. And then it happens and you're, no matter how much people warned you, you're surprised by it. Yeah. Like, what? Wait a minute. It's like, well, I told you that this is going to happen. And we've got our, is... our girls, are, our, our kids are in ministry now. And we've, yeah. we've coached them on it. And, you know, watched that with, with our son-in-law and daughter just recently. They had had some good people that they lost mm. and, 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 and watched them go through it. And had invested in, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. hard, man. And yeah. they were so hurt and we said, we f- feel your pain. Yeah. Denise, there's oftentimes, like, people don't understand the weight that a pastor's wife carries in a lot of those seasons. Tell me, you know, what what's that like for you? Like, what kinds of struggles, especially in regards to these these turnovers and transitions, trying to turn this church around over this course of this 10 years, what were some of the burdens and weight that you carried with that? Well, it's interesting because I started as a young mother with young kids, I should say, Mm. and was an unpaid staff for the first five years. Yeah, something like that. And then actually came on staff. He begged me to take worship, and I said, yeah. Okay, 10 hours is all I can give it. I had three little girls, and it was crazy in life. Um, so it taking the—it it was very painful when things mm-hmm. would happen, and I had both perspectives as a staff member and as a pastor's wife. I, um, I had parents that were in ministry, and they always said to me, keep your eyes on Jesus. Mm. People will disappoint you. Jesus never will. Mm. And they would tell me time to time, as I grew up, something that had happened to somebody's faith. Yeah. That they fell or they quit practicing it or what. Mm -hmm. So I knew it happened in life, so I wasn't totally naive. And Mm -hmm. I knew, I just knew to keep my eyes on Jesus. Yeah, it still hurt a lot, but I knew to do that. I also learned along the way to um, have things outside of church. When you have mm. kids in school, that really helps yeah. because you can volunteer at the school some or make friends that way yeah. or neighborhood or work or, or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Hobby. That is very healthy, I feel like, for pastors' mm. wives. 
I, I love Jesus, so I believe we should lead the way in serving God yeah. at our churches. Um, but I also believe we need to be salt and light in the world, so we need a life mm. outside a church. Yeah. And I always made a, a ministry to know my neighbors, mm-hmm. take my neighbors' meals or mm-hmm. whatever as well. So I, I feel like when you have a life outside the church as well, it helps you handle those hurts better. Yeah, that's true. Because not everything's so, uh, I guess, inundated by church that that's your world and you're able to... That's tricky too. You know, my mom's a pastor's wife. My dad's a pastor. I've watched her do it all growing up. And I think there were often times that she did stuff in our church and ministry out of obligation because mm-hmm. like nobody else was you there bet. to do that. So you mm-hmm. have yeah. a gamut though of pastors. My wives, mom did too. Yeah. Who are like throwing themselves their whole world into the church. And then, and then the other side of things where some pastor's wife you see that are like majorly aloof. They're just, yeah. they're not there. They're not present. And I love what you're saying that there needs to be this balance or this tension there of leading the way, but people understanding in the church, like, don't expect your pastor's wife to do everything and yeah. be involved in everything. Yeah, and you're not paying them. Exactly. It's not two for the price of one. And that's what people want. Well, you're getting, you know, yeah. both of this is yeah. a double whammy. You don't expect your CEOs of companies' no. wives to come in and cook or, or right. make things or run a run the company, right. you know. Right. And it is so. a, it's a tension because behind every great man and great leader is a great spouse. But at the same time, you're not getting both of them. And so it's tricky because, and this is something else we we work with church planters and you know young people in ministry on. I mean, sometimes you know the, the one of them we won't we won't be gender specific in this, but <laughs> one of them you know is really feels really called to yeah. this ministry thing, and the other one doesn't. Yeah, and, and that's you know that's a little tricky. Or right. or one of them grew up. I mean, I love this about Christy. One of them, one of them grew up in a ministry family and mm-hmm. kind of gets the inside of it and yep. the other one doesn't. Yep. I mean, you can, you can walk into this naive and think, oh, this is going to be great. I'm marrying a pastor. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's just that fairy tale thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's certainly not what, what Christy thought. She's sitting in the room right now, guys. Yeah. She's not yeah. on a microphone. <laughs> She's shaking her head. She's like, that's not what I thought. I wasn't thinking, oh, this will be great. I'll marry a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she had seen some of the hardship of ministry. Oh, the yeah. pain yes. in the process. You, you guys are turning this church around. You're really seeing some great things happen, but you're also feeling the cost of that. And Pastor Tim, you said something today in the introduction to the message that, you know, people can look from the outside at pastors, families, and they can think that everything just goes so well for them, especially yeah. the pastor of a large church like what you pastor. Yeah. People can look and go, oh, that's world, that's success, you yeah. know, that's success. But they don't understand that it comes at a great cost. And you said that. There is mm-hmm. a lot of cost to all of this. Yes. All of us have prices to pay that we that sometimes we choose to pay certain prices, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're not allowed that choice. But talk to me about some of those costs. You know, if you're opening up the book of the Harlow household and saying, hey, just for pastors out there, be aware of the cost. For people out there, be aware of what your pastors may be going through. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me a little bit about that. It's a, it, it, you know, that, that uh, Sam... Chan book, the leadership pain. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is. And the higher you go in leadership, the more pain you're going to experience, mm. and the more loneliness you're going to experience. Mm. So, yeah, you, you. I said that this morning. I mean, you could look at me 
pastoring a you know a, a, a really large church with multiple campuses and and hundreds of staff people and all these things going on and and go man that must be cool and I and I used to do that yeah you know I, I used to do that to the to the Rick Warrens or the Bob Russells or those people until mm-hmm. I got the chance to know them and realize what the journey had been like for them yeah. getting to get, getting through all that yeah. and and to realize how hard it is at this place at this level how lonely it is at this level mm. um, I wouldn't trade it you know I, mm. I I make a better salary than I did when the when the church was small there are more perks there are more people doing the things that I don't want to do <laughs> that you know that happened when the church right. were small but the other side of it is is a is a great deal of loneliness. It's mm. a great deal of responsibility mm. and weight. You know, I'm uh, I'm 57, and a lot of uh, guys my age. I mean, just about every megachurch pastor. Mm. You know, th- there have been s- studies done about this. Is my age, mm-hmm. and and so we're all trying to figure out now. Okay, so how does this work? And some of us, you know, a couple of my friends just just announced their retirement and mm. you know they're they're my age and 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 sometimes guys go longer than that so every conversation i have is about that and the time i started and i believe it's a long way off for me yeah. i'm going to take a sabbatical try to figure out you know how everything is working this summer but but one of the things that really struck me was i was with a guy in in Arizona and and, and he was uh, 62 and he's like i'm done hmm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna announce my retirement. I'm like, dude, Roger, you're you're not done. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And he his statement to me was, I'm tired of pushing the rock up the hill. Wow. And and the bigger the rock, you know, yeah. the more weight you carry. Yeah, right. So at, at at my place, at my leg, you know, if if <laughs> I mean Online giving has solved this a lot, but like back in the day, <laughs> if there was a snowstorm and yeah. I had 200 people and a, you know a $200,000 budget and, and and there was a snowstorm and we didn't get to take up an offering, yeah. that that was that was one thing. Really At it. this point, mm-hmm. it's a whole different thing. Yes, I've got you know I've got people's lives on the line that are my staff, right? And, you know all, all those kinds of things, and so you know like building the next campus or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it just gets that much bigger and there's that much more stuff that has to go with it. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to try to make it sound like it's it's not it's not great because I'm I'm totally blessed and I love yeah. it, but but I couldn't have been here at this point if it hadn't have been for the pain that it came along the way. Yeah. And I just don't think it's fair to look at somebody and go, mm-hmm. you know, it must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you are very visionary and you are a natural leader, so you could you and a learner, so you always knew wanted to know what's next yeah. what's next and do it now when you say cost one thing that he we never uh paid the price was we never um never cost our family yeah we yeah. never paid the price. right well, because I, mean, I grew up in ministry we, we tried not to pay the price so with good. our family right wow. we um, made a commitment to that yeah. we chose to cheat in That's Andy Stanley's yes language. we that was a very big deal to me, having grown up in ministry and him growing up in ministry. And I would get on the school, get all the school calendars and block his calendar for every major event that was going to happen with our girls' lives. Right. Meaning you would, you would block it out in the sense that. His calendar. So he could say, I can't can't do do that. that. My calendar's. That's great. I have an appointment. Because she knew Mm -hmm. my tendencies, you know. 
for as sure. A, as an eight, yeah, she, she knew, yeah, she knew my go. tendencies, you know, would be, <laughs> let's go take the next hill. Let's go Absolutely. do what we got to do. And my dad was that way, 100%. If, I mean, he, he's still around. He, if he was in the room, he would say, yeah, I regret my workaholic tendencies mm. as a pastor father. Yeah. And back in that day, that was kind of expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were the oh. slave boy for the church. Yep. I mean, you know That's what I'm it. talking about. Yep. So we, we decided along the way and that this, this was not going to be a sacrifice yeah. we're going to make. So when I talk about cost and sacrifice, sometimes you've got to decide what that's going to look like. Mm. There would have been there would have been times when I could have furthered the church or furthered my platform mm-hmm. or whatever by you know chasing after something that that we decided not to chase after yeah. because that wasn't going to be good for our family. This mm-hmm. is so good. I'd love to talk more about this specifically. This idea of not putting your family on the altar of ministry or really this translates to anybody, right? Their career or whatever it Absolutely. is. What are some helpful things like? maybe some some tips and tricks that you can offer us in regards to like, just like what you said, blocking off the calendars, anything else that really helps you to keep within the guardrails of that, what you chose to, to cheat on, you know? Well, I think part of it is high communication because mm. when um, the girls had a school dance, we had Saturday night services. Mm-hmm. And so what we would, I would do is keep him informed and he would go preach his first service and via the phone or whatever, yeah. I'd say, um, okay, we're, we're over here taking pictures. And he actually would preach service, let somebody else on staff finish it, run to where the pictures were hmm. so he could just be Sometimes around the I'd girls. Sometimes i change the order of the service wow. and preach first. Yeah, and then let them do music. So that I had enough time because oh, yeah. we we, we've done... You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it sounds like the opposite of what we're saying, but in the year 2000, so yeah. for, you know, 19 years, we've been doing Saturday night service. Right. Correct. And, and, and so then we started doing multiples and that's what she's talking about. Wow. So I would, I would like preach and then I would r- drive somewhere and I would take pictures and, be you know, around. Wow. make sure, make sure the boy that was taking my girl, you know, knew yep. I could still kick yep. his butt yeah. and, and, you know, and, and make that happen right. and then and then leave again and wow. go back and do the and other And he one. was a presence and he knew their friends like yeah. I did. And and so, it, I mean, maybe it was only 15 minutes, but he, he was there. Right. The girls knew he was a part of their life. Right, right. Um, Christmas yeah. Eve services are big for us. Um, you know, we're, yeah. we're in a highly Catholic area and we just hit on that. And mm-hmm. so we have triple our attendance mm-hmm. on on Christmas Eve. We had 29,000 people for Christmas Eve this Man. last year. So along the way, that that's a problem right. when you got little kids. So like one year, she, she just made the Christmas Eve dinner and brought it over to church. And we sat around in the church and had our Christmas wow. Eve dinner together. And then along the way, I started going, well, I'm not having that late Christmas Eve service anymore. Mm-hmm. I know people like it, but that's not good for my family. So you mm-hmm. find the, the, yep. the, the give and the take in yep. the tension and make it work that way. Wow. And but but it was it was mostly her, right? You know, right. it was that was figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes what I'll say to women is you've got to be super flexible in ministry. Mm. Like maybe you're not going to celebrate on that day. My daughters already learned this. They had their uh, their Easter, their family Easter yep. 
two days before because she knew her husband was going to be working so much. Yeah. So they had like a family Easter day. Now they have preschoolers, so that was easy this year. Right, They'll have to right. get more creative. But flexibility and getting really creative, hmm. um, how you can still be together or still celebrate something yeah. is super important. Yeah, yeah. we do Christmas so, on December 27th now. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. because honestly, Christmas Day, I'm I'm not pleasant to be yeah. around after yeah. I preach. Well, preach and now our services. kids are in ministry, and, and by the time right. they fly and they, here. Yeah. They just fly in so. on Christmas. And that's so 26th. helpful when everybody in the family's in ministry. Yeah. It's kind of like my yeah. family. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, okay, well, we're, we're all just going to do it a different day. Yeah, we just pretend. And we also, we also canceled, we cancel our, uh, our weekend after uh, Christmas. Uh-huh. We've done that for three years now, and cancel that's a services, permanent thing. Yeah. We just cancel it. Tell right. We do an online thing, and because we want to try to take care of the families yeah. of, of our staff as that's well. That's so good. That's nice. so good. So, you know, I'm hearing is that there is this this tension between being super flexible, but also super rigid around the certain around certain things. So mm-hmm. it's like flexible, values. for instance, mm-hmm. yeah, around values. So it's flexible around maybe the day that you celebrate it, but rigid around the idea of no, but we're going to make a day. Right. To do this together as a family. And right. we're not going to just like, oh, well, work or ministry got in the way of us coming together and being together and making memories and sharing those things. Mm. That's, and, that's wonderful. And attitude's a big, big deal. Um, if your wife or spouse is, really has a bad attitude about your ministry and is complaining all the time, they should probably go to counseling about that because that is mm. so contagious to children. Mm. If you're negative wow. about the church, the kids are going to be negative wow. about the church. Yep. And they're going to and they equate you know, they can't help it but church and God go together. Yeah. So then they have this negative attitude towards God and yeah. so trying to um control what how much you say. Mm-hmm. They don't have to think it's all hunky-dory or mm-hmm. you know, Fairy tales. No, they need some reality, but yeah. you have to you but have to balance it that's a lot. That's right. Your attitude. So we had a lot of conversations in the bedroom, you know, and yeah. and our kids would say, I mean, if our girls were here right now, they'd say we really didn't know how hard it was on you guys wow. in those early years. Wow. They didn't need to. They, they they can look back and go, okay, yeah, I get it. But they, they knew bad things happen or mm. whatever, and we we'd say, um, mommy's just kind of frustrated about something right now but it's not you yeah yeah sorry she kicked the dog <laughs> it's not really the dog either that's not the dog's fault <laughs> that's great that that's was great. you oh, not yeah. me uh, um. <laughs> that's great I want to interrupt this interview for just a moment to let you know about some exclusive content we're offering to our Nothing is Wasted monthly partner program members. This month's exclusive extra interview is with Kate Battistelli on the topic of parenting. You may remember episode 60 with Kate, where we talk about emotionally healing through abortion, infertility, and her recent book, The God Dare. I was curious as to how she and her husband, Mike, approached raising their daughter, Francesca Battistelli, who eventually became a Christian music icon. If you're a parent or desire to be one one day, you don't want to miss this bonus episode. You can access this content at nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to give a recurring tax deductible donation on one of our monthly partner tiers. 
Listen to this short clip from this bonus episode before we jump back into our interview. When I came to know the Lord and realized the power of His Word, that He created the universe with a word, wow. just told me that, well, then my words are going to have just as much power. My words can either create or destroy. They're either going to build up or they're going to break down. Wow. And we determined early on to speak over our daughter what the Lord said about her. Pastor Tim, the first time I met you was a couple of years ago, right after my wife passed away. And I, I what your countenance ministered to me because when I saw your face, I could tell here's a man who'd walked through some pain, who'd walked through some trial, but who was um, seemingly walking through unscathed. Not that it hasn't scarred you mm -hmm. or wounded you, but that you were still holding to the vision that God had given you and your, and yeah. your, and your faith that the Lord is going to bring you through it. But there had to have been some moments where you felt maybe you got to a breaking point or burn out or tell me, tell me maybe some of those situations where you're like, I don't think I could go on anymore. With I, I talk about this a lot and it was, a, you know, it was one of those classic burnout moments. Mm. And, and it was actually the first time I met our friend, John Walker. Mm. Um, it was a providential deal. And, and I, t I tell this story a lot because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't out of the pain. It was out of the good. It was out of the wow. hair on fire. It, it was, I mean, I went through, we went through 12 years of getting the church relocated, going through the transition. Yeah. There were a lot of times when, you know, I wanted to throw in the towel. I could show you the letters that I wrote to friends saying, is there another church out there wow. that I can go to? You know, I mean, I, w I went through those things, but the real butt kicker was after we relocated, mm after and and we went from 600 to 1500 like instantly when Man. we relocated and i was working on my doctoral dissertation at the same time my kids are are you know young and that growing mm -hmm. still in that i think our oldest was in high school at that point and i and i had been to our, you know our convention i'd been to this convention and every, you know hey every how's it going and i told everybody i i was i was great in july and i was great in july and I, and like wow. 2 weeks later I got, had one of those moments where I was getting ready to come out on Saturday night and preach, and I, I, I literally thought about turning around and walking out the other way. Wow. And, and it, it, I, I got through it. I mean, I can gut stuff out pretty well. It's my personality. Yeah. But I knew I was in trouble. I knew that something weird was going on. Mm. And it just so happened that that next week I was scheduled to go out to California and hang out with some church friends, some pastor friends of mine, and John Walker, uh, this huh. great pastor uh, to pastors, you know, yeah. counselor to pastor that we know. And um, I went on this thing, and it was actually a whitewater rafting adventure. We went and did the American <laughs> River where they discovered gold, and it was so great because I was outside, and, and, I, and, and John was helping me, and we didn't even know each other at that point, but he was helping me. You know, Since then, I've, I've basically built a wing on the Blessing Ranch as yeah. much as he's helped me with, with what I've gone through. But um, I got, had this moment, like this spiritual moment where I'm out in the, in the fields of California, and I'm looking at, at these two trees, and one of them is green and vibrant but smaller, mm -hmm. and it's down in the valley of this place where I'm looking, and another one is bigger, um, but it's dying, hmm. and it's 
coming up out of a, of a rock formation that's up on the side of the hill. And God just very plainly said, um, hey, knucklehead, what, which one of those trees do you think you are? Wow. And, and it was just obvious that I had run too hard, too fast. Wow. My root system wasn't deep enough. And um, and I was drying up, and wow. you know, so I, I went back and and made some more changes, and and got through that experience. I didn't do anything dumb. I you know mm-hmm. I, I I didn't turn to anything dumb. We got through it quickly because I got help quickly. Yeah. But uh, but that was a that was a scary moment. Mm-hmm. And from that time on, I mean, I think I did a good job of regulating things along the way mm-hmm. and taking my day off and all that stuff. But but that was that was a moment that re- was really life changing for me wow. to figure out. Okay, what is life giving at this yeah. point? You know, um, not necessarily just regular old rest, but what's life giving to you, right. and how do you manage this? And and it was at that point that I uh, twisted the arm of Bill Brown, who was our small groups pastor, and said, "I need an exec." He, he tells the story that my exact words were, "I need an executive pastor, or I'm going to kill someone." Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so he didn't really have a choice but to say yes either. Yeah. And we organized yeah. around that. And, right. you know, I mean, we had, we got some good help and we orga- reorganized and, yeah. and got things better. Wow. Are there any other adjustments you made from that point forward personally with the family? What kinds of things that really shifted then for you to try to more like preventive maintenance to yeah. now that you've got, you had this kind of healing and this like, okay, I, I got help fast. Which I think is super important. People need to, as soon as they recognize the yeah. symptoms, like go get help. Our pride keeps us from that. We say this on this podcast all the time. Like all people need a counselor, right. you know, right. everybody, not bad right. people, not broken, messed no. up people. All people need a counselor, get help. But then you had, I mean, I know John Walker cause he's counseled me yeah. before and he's probably given you a lot of tools in order to preventive maintenance, you yeah. know, what, what kinds of shifts were made in your life then? I also have a guy here um, that's okay. uh, that's my counselor that I see on a regular basis, and and Denise has seen, and um, we've done a lot of marriage counseling mm-hmm. together. We're big believers in counseling. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also uh, figured out along the way that as the church got really large, I needed to get out of here more. Mm. Uh, it's it's a really weird place to walk around knowing that no matter where I'm at, a lot of those people probably at least know who I am, whether yeah. they go to my church or not. And and so along the way, we got a, we found a place where we could get away on a regular basis yeah. to go hang out and, and get our soul revived. And it's just, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I wish I had something like that. Uh, I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wished I would have had something like that early on, but I bet there is some place. Yeah. For me, early on, it was honestly her folks' house down in Missouri, um, where her both of her brother and her brother-in-law are in ministry, and we yeah. would have fun together. But it was just a fun place for us to go, and and that was that was it. I mean, there's probably some place for you to get away. Yeah. You need to do it more often than you think you do. Yeah. And uh, if somebody has a place and they just flippantly offer, hey, we got a place in Florida, feel free to use it. Take them go up do on it. it. Yeah, no joke. Yeah. yeah. Unless they're going to be there. Right. <laughs> right. Good point. That's yeah. great. Well, you guys, you referenced this, you know, marriage counseling and and I, I can't imagine. I mean, you guys have been married 35 years. Is that what you said? Yep. 35. 35 years mm-hmm. and the dynamic of pastor, wife, leading together, because Denise, you were in some pretty high-level leadership throughout the growth of this church. So leading together, going home together. You know, we talked a little bit about this last night mm-hmm. in your home while we're having pizza. Mm-hmm. But can you give us some some insight into how you guys have 
um, managed to to stay in love, to continue to do this thing together, to stay uh, close and 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 have such a close family in the midst of all of those dynamics. Well, we'll be honest. I mean, there were some seasons we did it well, and some seasons we did not mm, do it well. Yeah. I mean, that's why we would go to a counselor right. when we were needing that third party to hear and help us navigate it. It um, started with, I want you to answer this, but it started with, we we started with the same vision. Yeah, that's we good. Really, yes. We really wanted the same thing. Mm. We wanted a church where our kids' friends would find Jesus. Mm. And and so it started there. Yeah, that got us through a lot. You know, wow, we weren't so off. For, we, yep. we we might have had different blueprints at different times or whatever. Right. But it started with a passion for what it was that we were doing. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I mean, you would advise, hey, married couples everywhere, start with talking about the vision for your life together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we doing? What why we're are doing? we here? Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Begin with start with why. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good, Denise. Yeah, and then. Blueprinting, that's a whole nother story, but yeah. how'd you guys do that? You know, it was a lot of give and take. Yes. Um, it was, uh, th- there's something wonderful about being partnered up with your mm-hmm. spouse, yeah. and there's some, there's some stuff that's really tricky. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. for instance, I mean, she was on our executive team, she ran our worship ministry. She said, I begged her to do it, you know, back in the early <laughs> days. And then I begged her to stay at it because she was great. Right. She, her, her personality was perfect for it and her right. gift mix was perfect for it. Um, but I, she didn't work for me. Well, you know, our executive yeah. pastor was, was in the mix. Now he, he, he knew where mm-hmm. his bread got buttered too. So, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. it, you know, I say that with a, you know, with a, with a little bit <laughs> of my, he had a to lot be a of wizard. my conversations went through him. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, so we managed it. We managed it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the good thing was we were off together and we were on together, especially worshiping, you know, and preaching. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the hard things were, you know, if something was broken, you know, it was it was broken for both of us, and yeah. usually that meant it was broken for her because it was broken for me, mm. and and that was tricky. Well, it, there were tricky times. I I finally learned that when he was mad about something, I didn't have to project his same anger <laughs> when uh-huh. I was fixing it. Yeah, I I. I was foolish, naive, I don't know, but he would be mad about something and I'd go to fix it and I would project that same emotion. <laughs> then I finally learned, I thought, what am I doing? I'm not that mad about it. Yeah. I mean, it needs fixed, but I don't have to own his emotion yeah, about it. And, but I yeah, there's a, there was, there was a part where, it. like, you know, like, how come the words are wrong on the screen? Right. And I'm mad about it and I say something to her. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have yelled at the person right, running right. the PowerPoint, but but it's my wife, yeah. you know. So, you know, it's just like this easy thing. Yeah. So that that, that tripped us up a yeah. bit. A it fair did. Bit. Yeah. It did. We have a hilarious story that we tell people about when he we had just relocated and we were in the gym and we had to just started image mag- magnification with the cameras and screens. Yeah. And he saw that the high school, local high school, a church wasn't going to have services there. And we could start a service there. We were, we were, we'd outgrown our building yep. instantly. Yep. And we were, we were like, maybe, maybe Life Church and Community Christian and yeah. a couple of places had done multi-site. So we started thinking, well, maybe we should do this. Yeah. I started thinking. Yeah. He started thinking because he's visionary, right. but we were barely recruiting all these new mm. people to do 
the services, the multiple services in this mm -hmm. new building as it was. And we're on a walk and I was walking in, in the forest preserve and I'm carrying weights. <laughs> and he's like telling me how this is really a good idea. La, 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 la. And I throw my weight finally down because I just can't get his attention. I said, we can't handle it. <laughs> I think he finally got the message. The other staff came up to me later. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thank amazing. you because they were like burning yeah. out yeah. with what they were trying to keep up with. Wow. So. Well, you find that happen a lot. God puts this combination together in ministry and outside of ministry really well mm -hmm. because marriage is a complementing thing, right? Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We're don't, we don't complete each other. God completes us, right? right. That whole like right. Jerry Maguire, you complete right. yeah. me. That's yeah. not, no. We're yeah. looking to the Lord to complete us, but he put us together to complement. Mm -hmm. And right. you're complementing and tempering and grounding and tethering his extreme vision. Yeah. And we feel the same way. Christy and I do, you know, I've got this like, Oh, this, 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 yeah, this, this, yeah. you know? And uh -huh. she's like, that's not the right thing for right now. Let's <laughs> kind of, you know, and I love the dynamic that you guys are I know. talking I mean, about because it, we couldn't be any more alike as four people. I think yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah. But it's interesting because sometimes even though I knew it was going to be hard, I knew in my heart and my spirit, it had come from God. Some yeah. of the ideas and I knew we had to do it. Yeah. That's great. And it was uh, the Lord, totally the yep. Lord, because I freak out when more is added to the plate. Mm. But at the same time, I could just tell, yeah, that that does need to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me let me say this. Like we started Saturday night service in the year two thousand. We we're still in our tiny little building, and we were out and we'd outgrown it. So one of the decisions that we made was um, we're going to have the service at five o'clock. Because Denise said that would be the best time for you to be gone. Mm. I can give the girls their bath and, and whatever. And I did not personally at that time have to come to the church. No, that's what, that's what I was going to say. And we, we said there's no way Denise is going to lead mm -hmm. on Saturday night. So we found this couple that were in the area that were working on a record, believe it or not. Yeah. And they just happened to be in the area. And I went to them. I'd never heard them sing. I just knew the people that they knew. And, right. and, I, and they, you know, it was good music people. So I'm like, I went to these guys. And I'm like, hey, can we pay you to lead service on, on Saturday night? Yeah. And, uh, you know, that lady's still on our staff today. Wow. And, and that's how we made it happen. We, we, we started the Saturday night service, but not at the, at the peril of yeah. our family. Yeah. And then, like you know, we we did a, we've done a lot of crazy things. We had to start doing an offsite Easter service, and mm -hmm. we rented a place that was big enough but was not conducive, and took a lot of work. And yep. you know, I mean, over the years, we we did do the hard things. But I think what the the throwing the weight down deal at at, at one point was also about you've got to you've got to measure this. Yeah. And I'm going to tell this to you guys as you're as you're you know launching out and doing. You're going to get. Opportunities to yeah. be a million different places and speak for a million different things, mm -hmm. and honestly, I didn't have that problem when I was your mm -hmm. age. Nobody, nobody cared about me uh, when my kids were young. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted me to come and speak or do any of those kinds of things. So I, I didn't have to deal with that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm and good you've friends. Said it's probably a good. It's thing. It's probably a yeah. good thing because knowing my personality, I would have had a hard time saying no, and yeah. I still do to this day. So if you are in that position, you know, I. I 
it's hard when you look at a, you know, at a, at a Levi Lusco, or you mm -hmm. look at a, you know, you look at Judd Wilhite's good friend, right. these guys that get thrown in at an early age yep. to this huge thriving ministry thing and how they, how they balance that out. And, and those guys have done a good job and, yep. and usually that works out well. But when we talk to church planners, a lot of times what, what they, we've been surprised at the reaction because a lot of them will come up and, and go, we just thought we were going to have to sacrifice our family mm, wow. to go mm -hmm. plant the church. Wow. We just, we heard that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And we're like, no, 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 no. Don't yeah. do that. And it, it was really cool because as we mentioned earlier, one of our passions was to have a church that our girls would want to bring their friends to church yeah. because I, as a teenager, I loved Jesus with my whole heart, huh. but I was embarrassed about my church, so I never invited him to church. Wow. He felt the same way. So, but what was cool is this weekend, one of the gals on stage was one of our daughter's mm -hmm. high school friends. Wow. And That's that so cool. just, yeah. it yep. gave me goosebumps yeah. today yeah. watching this her is why you guys lead did this. worship. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. That's so, so cool. It was pretty cool. Well, it's it, a long, it's a long journey. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a yeah, sprint. Right. And what you're saying too is so insightful because on this podcast specifically, and our ministry is helping people and helping making sure that make sure their lives don't become unraveled when they're in the midst of their valley, right? Like helping them not get stuck and all of a sudden they're losing their faith and the middle of pain and hardship trial and transition and all of those. But what you're saying is that we need to be just as on guard when things are going well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Your life can, mm -hmm. can almost more easily get unraveled when things are going well, if you're not grounded on this foundation that says, okay, we have principles that we're going to live by as a family. And we're not going to sacrifice those principles for the allure of whatever this stage platform is or whatever, whatever yeah. that is. And that translates, I think, not just for pastors' families, that translates for all families. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Everywhere, no matter if you're a plumber or a teacher or whatever it is. So you, know? you asked us a question that we didn't really fully answer <laughs> about, like, what would we tell yeah. This this you know, this generation yeah. in balancing things. And one of the things that, that, you know, really scares us is we didn't have the same things to deal with that mm. you guys do. You know, we, I mean we had there was T V, believe it or not. It was actually yeah. color T V yeah. when our kids were little, but you know, we didn't we didn't have we didn't have phones, <laughs> we didn't have computers, Jeez, we didn't have all that other kind of stuff. So, you know, no matter where you're at and what you're doing, it's a proactive yeah. scenario. What oh, she said is. about the calendaring and, and all that, it's about being proactive, not reactive. That's great. And that's saying, okay, well, the, you know, we're going to we're going to come home at night and not have the screens. We're going to yeah. have family dinner together yeah. every night. And that means, you wow. know, you're saying to your to your board, hey, I can't be there until 7 o'clock for a meeting or whatever because I'm going to have dinner yep. every night. And yep. if you're on the road a lot, it means, you know, changing your schedule up so that you can hit bedtimes yeah. and, and all, all of those kinds of things. But it's about being proactive, not reactive. That's great. Because if you're reactive, you're, you're, you're never going to catch up. Yeah. Man, that's great, Pastor Tim. You're uh, you're releasing a book here really soon. Yeah, and I'm super excited about it because all the wisdom that is coming out of you, even right now. <laughs> but this is, uh, it's, I mean, it's not a, it's not about pain and hardship, but it's a little bit of a look into the the church yeah. uh, as a whole and a look into um, the kind of Jesus's 
maybe Jesus's perspective on what the church would look like, you know? Tell me a little it bit wouldn't about be, that. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be so hard to, to build the church. It wouldn't be so hard to reach people yeah. if Christians weren't so stupid sometimes, <laughs> okay? Can we just say that? We all are. We're not saying that from a judgmental standpoint. We are all yeah, just no, stupid. Yeah, no, we all are. That's and, why and Jesus a, called us sheep, you know? Exactly sheep right. Sheep idiots. Exactly we are right. all just idiots. They're too <laughs> dumb to know where to go, and, and that's exactly right. Yeah. That's actually in, in the book. The book is uh, the book is what made Jesus mad, and I, mean, I feel like God gave me this about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, just like if we learn from the things that make people happy, that's one thing, but I really learn a lot more from the things that get you riled up, mm. you know? And, and so, and if you look at the red letters, if you look at, at the red letters of Jesus in your Bible, if you still have one of those things, you know, the, the red, red letters, the angry red letters are common. Yeah. And Jesus is, he's angry and he mm. turns tables over and he calls people sons of hell and he gets angry. And so I just went through the New Testament and what came out to me was that there were four major things. It was legalism, hypocrisy, judgmentalism, and indifference wow. to the needs around you. Wow. That are the things that made Jesus mad. And then Man. I start to, I, I, then I own it as me, okay, as wow. a church leader. It's not, it's not about those people and how dumb they are. It's here's what we've done, and we've made it harder for people to come to Christ. Yeah. And if the, if the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S's are the fastest growing religious group in the country, why is that? Wow. It's not because of Jesus. They love Jesus. Yeah. They, 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 you know, it's us. It's the representation of Jesus. Mm. And so it's a sarcastic, fun, Wait, you know, sarcasm biting. from yeah, you? A little Hold bit. On a second. Wait. A little bit there. <laughs> um, I, I think it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm writing it for millennials, especially, yeah. you know, and the, the next generation. I dedicate it to my grandkids. Uh, because I, you know, I, I'm saying I hope that we leave the church better off yeah. than it was when we started wow. for your generation. But what I really want it for is is for the the young people of today to be able to give it to a friend and uh, who is a, a friend that that has left. Yeah, you know, and say, hey, I, I know you're confused about the church. Um, how about if we just go back and look at Jesus? That's great. And leave the rest of this out. Wow, that's great. So, man. Yeah. I wish we had all the time in the world, and we'll probably have some yeah. more time on this podcast. Yeah, we we'll talk about more than that. But I know that we're this episode is going to release right about probably the same time that your book is Good. starting to get released, or a little bit before that. And so I wanted to make sure that we told the listeners, yeah. "Hey, look for this. This is coming. We'll put all the information on that podcast page." from uh, this book that's coming out from Pastor Tim. What's it called? What's what it? Made Jesus Mad. What Made Jesus Mad. Yeah. And uh, man, guys, we'll definitely have more conversations over mm. these microphones, but thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. This has it's been, been a pleasure yeah. having you around, man. Man, it's awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Mel, I'm sure this interview probably hit you as much as it hit me in regards to the fact that we're in ministry and we're dealing with people all the time. And it can just be For very sure. difficult sometimes when you're trying to help and serve people and you feel, sometimes you feel, you know, betrayed or walked all over or like things aren't taking or, man, there's just so much that they were able to speak to. I just love that interview. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It There was so much in this episode that I could relate to, and I got so much out of it. Um, I'm really thankful for them taking time to share their story with us. Yeah. 
We are so thankful for their story and we're thankful for your stories. If you have a moment, we would love for you to rate and review us. Recently, we had somebody write in and say, we all have our own heart, but though our trials look different, we have the same God sovereign overall. Listening to how my God has moved in the lives of people all over has encouraged my walk with God, building my faith. He's been faithful before he will be faithful again. Mm. And um, yeah, thank you for writing that into us. That's so good. Um, And if you get a moment, we'd love for you to follow us on Instagram at nothing is wasted ministries. Yeah. And we also want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for these episodes. Thank you, Ryan, for your friendship. Thank you for your music. Download his music where music can be downloaded and streamed. And thank you guys for joining us today on the nothing is wasted podcast. Here's a clip from next week's. I guess that night, that Christmas, Christmas, day after Christmas, day after Christmas, um, I woke up, ate breakfast, um, and I just remember, it, like after we had prayed and been like, okay, even if like we're, we'll still praise you, I just felt this um, just overwhelming sense of peace and just like a warm wash, like for the first time in all of this trouble and turmoil, I realized like he's got this and I was just, I mean, there's no other way to describe it other than peace. Um, and then I, I went basically from zero to a hundred in mm. um, two seconds. I just, I kind of was like, I don't feel good. And like just utter darkness for me. 